0: Welcome to the Wealth and Law Podcast. I am Brent Nelson, and it is not uncommon for people with businesses, primarily entrepreneurs, who maybe have not been long in the tooth in the business world, to have questions and concerns about two key important things, one being, of course, managing their cash flow, because that is the important bit of being in a business. If you're not doing that, you're not in business. And number two, everybody wants to expand their business. So to figure out how to do that in an efficient way, you need somebody smart who knows how to do it. And that's why John Briggs is joining me today. John, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. For the uh, few people in the world who don't know who you are, John, why don't you give us at least the high level?
1: Yeah, the small sliver of people who've never heard of me. <laughs> yeah. um, I I own an accounting firm. I'm a CPA, live in Utah, I have four kids. Um, our team size is about 50 team members. Uh, and so I'm sure we'll get into talking about some of that growth. That's yeah, <clears throat> fun and interesting. But yeah, so as a, an accounting firm, we do tax, tax consulting, cash flow management, CFO services, and and all levels of bookkeeping.
0: Yeah, the, the nuts and bolts part. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, and you really kind of come at this topic then from two different perspectives. One is as an advisor, and then the second is personally experiencing it for yourself. Having done
1: it, exactly.
0: Yeah. And am I remembering right? Have you had other businesses outside of just this accounting thing?
1: Yeah. So, um, I sold the gym, but I owned a gym for about three years. We work with mm-hmm. a lot of gym owners, and I had a crazy thought that I wanted to understand them better. So, what better way than to become one of them? Um, that yeah, that was an interesting experience. I have some ownership <laughs> in a shipping logistics company as well, and uh, yeah, there's been a few things here and there throughout my career. Uh
0: huh. That's an interesting way to uh, educate yourself on a topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just become yep. the topic. Yep. <laughs> Was that sort of like, uh, you know, the, the saying in, in law is like your, your worst client is yourself? You know, was, was that sort of uh, the case in that scenario?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, I understand what you're saying. For me, really, it came down to um, looking on paper. We did the research. We knew the data. Mm-hmm. And we could tell a gym owner, you really need these three levels of income. But it's another thing to actually go into a gym and then try to convince your coaches You're adding a new service level and here's the way we're going to pay you for that service level and dealing with that dynamics and dealing with the drama, unbelievable Mm. amount of drama. Like in our world, right, if we're attorneys or accountants, it's very rare for someone to come up to us and say, hey, this is how I think you should run your business. Right. I didn't know that for gym owners, they get that on a daily basis. Have you considered (laughs) doing this? Hey, how come we're doing it this way? Have we like, hold on, uh, I don't know why you think running a gym is so easy, but uh, thanks for your feedback. So, like, even learning how to manage that. So, like from a general standpoint of what I've learned is, I think as advisors in any capacity, at least take the step to put ourselves in the shoe of the person we're advising and saying, how might they respond, or what types of things are they going to have to do based on this advice? Um, so that maybe we can get in front of some of the roadblocks they might have.
0: Mm, yeah, that's really interesting. i yeah, I wonder if a bit of it is because nobody understands how accounting firms and law firms actually operate economically. There may be that element, that's why we don't get inundated with business advice. Uh, but yeah, that's really curious. so so how do you manage that? knowing now, knowing that that you know these gym owners are are getting inundated with that kind of advice, how do you? then sort of build that relationship so that when the advice comes from you, they're willing to listen to it?
1: Yeah, so we start with, look, the data supports this. The successful gyms that we have or the financially fit companies do this. Now, you're here, right? So you're a point A. We know that you can get to point Z. Uh, On that road, uh, the first step we need you to take I just want to let you know, your coaches are going to give you a lot of pushback on this. So prepare yourself, however you're going to say that to the coaches, like be supportive if you feel like having one-on-one conversations with them first, instead of just announcing it in a team meeting, you might want to help them feel like they have a say in what you're doing so that you can sway them to see why this is a good business decision. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually, we found, has it accelerated the client's ability to take action because in the past hey, you need to add some personal training revenue, for example. I'm like, okay. And then the next meeting, hey, have you added personal training revenue? No. And we're like wondering, why haven't you done this? Well, because they know in the back of their head, I don't think my coaches are going to love this idea. Uh, and, you know, so then we can help explain like, well, here's how we have seen it explained well, where the coaches realize, oh, I can actually make more money doing this. Oh, so it's a win-win. But until then, if you don't have the right conversation, so it means literally walking him through, here's the logical aspect of it, but here's the emotional element that you're going to need to address.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really good because ultimately, even though, of course, lawyers and accountants love when businesses can be distilled down to numbers and documents, they're still humans.
1: Still humans that are running the business. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And really just collections of humans. Yes, you can you can uh, report it on in numbers and in legal documents, but it's really just collections of people. Exactly. Yeah. And
1: it's, it's your internal collections of people. Your customers are a collection of people. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, a lot of stuff to be aware of. I have a um, I have a hard time, for example, with um, people and you know, talk about people who give bad Business advice, but people who sort of talk about, um, setting and forgetting or like quote unquote passive income coming out of businesses. I'm thinking that's not a business. I don't know what you think a business really is, but that's not a business. I mean, even if you did everything you possibly could, there is no way that you can legislate for the actions of human beings. Human beings will throw you things that you never anticipated, and they will not allow you to be passive in that way.
1: Absolutely. I mean, dealing with the gym and the coaches and clients and then with the accounting firm, I am often surprised to the point where I say, I did not think that was a possible outcome of whatever action I took. Like, wow, I I don't even understand what the heck is going on right now. Uh Right, because we all are a collection of our own individual experiences, and those experiences formulate our opinions, and sometimes our opinions, uh, become truth, even if they might not be real truth, they're truth to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and yeah, dealing with all that, you, exactly, you can't, you can't legislate that out of anything.
0: Alright, so let's, uh, <laughs> alright, let's try to legislate that out, uh, setting that aside. What are the what are the kind of common say cash flow pitfalls that you see in small businesses that you're constantly trying to tweak and help people with?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean the big the the first one that comes to mind is actually pretty big. Business owners don't take the time to look at their expenses. Mm. Uh, the majority of them are just so in love and enraptured by marketing and sales and higher revenue. I mean for crying out loud, we celebrate people, and on some level, look, I'm not trying to discredit them, but the Inc. five hundred list. Mm-hmm. All it does is talk about how fast was your revenue growth. Well, if you gave me ten million dollars and I grew my business by three million dollars, that's a great revenue increase for a small business. But what the heck happened to the other seven million? Like I wasted right. seven million doing that right. Um I actually worked for a company. They declared bankruptcy the same year. They made eighty eighth on the list of the fastest growing companies in the country. <laughs> that's um, great. So the first thing that comes to mind is we we need to Yes, revenue is important. But if we don't think about expenses, our revenue always will increase at the same pace, if not faster than our expenses, unless we put boundaries around the way we're managing the cash inflow and the cash outflow. Mm -hmm. It's just human nature. And so uh, the biggest pitfall is they aren't taking the time to actually sit down in, for most business owners, painstaking detail to actually look at the expense and say, is this productive or is this unproductive? Um, or I don't know if you're familiar with the author, um, Keith Cunningham. He's, I'm not. He's actually the rich dad that Robert Kiyosaki refers to in his book. Mm-hmm. Um, Keith Cunningham says it, I feel like even better than the way I said it in my book, is does the expense help you get clients or does it help you retain clients? If it's not one of those two things, then you really don't need the expense. Mm-hmm. And so it, it forces us to like validate, is this expense truly getting me new customers or helping me keep my current customers? Uh, cause obviously we we're, we were sold on the expense when we took it on, but, uh, things change. And so it could have been a good decision back then, but maybe it's not now. And why are we keep, why are we still paying for something that? Really is just adding financial fat to our business.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I frequently have, uh, I frequently have a thought along those lines about certain business expenses, particularly advertising. When I see the advertising and I think at some level, this is just pure vanity. So I'll give you my, my favorite example of it is the, there is basically one electric company in, in my city, Tucson, Tucson Electric Power. It's actually okay. owned by a Canadian company, but that's an aside. Um, so the Canadians, they own TP. TP has advertising like billboards on all the major sporting events and all over town and at all these things. And it's like, I'm sorry. TP, do you think that no one will use your electrical supplies unless you advertise? Like, clearly not. Like, they they have no need for that advertising other than just pure vanity. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like, it's not getting them, to your point, it's not getting them clients, it's not retaining clients, because people are going to come to them because there's no other place to go, really, for electricity, and yet they still spend the money on those things, and it has nothing to do with business. It's all vanity.
1: Yeah, now I, Fortune 500 companies call that brand marketing.
0: Yes, of course. Right?
1: Yeah, but for sure, for small business owners, we should not, in my opinion, uh, we don't need to be spending money on brand marketing. If we're doing advertising, it should be something that we can actually track to see if we're getting a result from it. Yeah, cool. we, we know clients will come in and will like, you know, they have a dashboard. So we pull their data from QuickBooks Online, Mm -hmm. we put it into our dashboard system, and we review with them. It's like, okay, your advertising expense is 15% of your revenue. Uh, What are you doing? Well, I I was told by a a marketing company that if you're looking to grow, you need to spend 10 to 20% of your revenue. That's a a healthy spend on advertising. And if you're looking to maintain, you only spend 5%. Like, okay, uh, let's assume that's true then. What are you actually, what are you putting the money into? And they they show us. And so now we're trying to do some line by line analysis. Did the Facebook Facebook ads work? Did the Google ads work? Uh, you put an ad in a magazine, or I don't know if you guys have ever gotten calls from uh, like golf courses. Oh, for an unreasonable fee, we'll put your logo in this golf brochure. And we have billions of people who use our course every right. year, right? Like, okay, how do you track that they're actually coming to you? So yeah, we can help them distill pretty quickly, but until someone helps them have that realization, they're literally they were going to spend fifteen percent of their revenue without even realizing the healthiest thing is to actually track what that fifty percent spend is doing. I'm right. like, if you're spending fifteen percent and your business is growing the way you want it to, that's awesome, right? But
0: yeah, then it's working. Right. Totally. Yeah. But
1: if you're not doing the work to know if it's working or not, uh, you're probably just throwing away money.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, you can't just, you can't just hang your hat on some rule of thumb like that as if doing that is the thing. Right. Yeah. What, uh, any other cash flow? issues i know we we, in broad strokes putting some constraints on on expenses but any other cash flow issues you see that you think merit discussion
1: yes one of the easiest things for small business owners to do like a lot of times because they're focusing on the revenue it's like hey as long as revenue is growing and i have deposits coming in a little bit less attention to the expenses Uh, but then they get to the end of the month and they're like, OK, time to pay myself. Uh, where's the money? <laughs> I need to pay myself. I need to put food on my table, pay my bills. But there's not right. money in the bank account. Right. It's because they didn't take the time to create a system. Um, so that's why we like the cash flow management system profit first, because it is focused on making sure the owner is giving themselves benefit first and then they can run their business off the expenses left over. Uh, A lot of small business owners are underpaying themselves and there's real danger in doing that because what happens is they work, they slave away, which isn't the right phrase to use anymore because I'm a white man. I apologize. I don't know the right term. They're working really hard and they're at the mercy of their business uh, without any foresight. Um, what happens is there'll come a point and usually it happens really fast. Once they reach that point of why am I doing this? I have been working my tail off for X amount mm-hmm. of years, like way more than 40 hours a week. I have nothing to show for it. Why am I doing this? And then they literally give up, which I think is really damaging because the truth is if you have created a business, um, you are in a very elite group, small group, of all humans on the planet Uh, because most people don't want to take that risk. They're not comfortable with it. Right. But the truth is small business owners are the ones who create the jobs. I know the fortune 100 companies get all the credit and all the media coverage, but the reality is, especially in the U S our economy is on the back of small business owners. So if they end up getting themselves burnt out, Uh, Our economy suffers because of it. I mean, we're seeing that now after the fallout with the pandemic and the way things were handled. Small businesses dropped like flies. Uh, And now we're kind of in a weird economic situation that's not very pleasant for most people. Right. So the best, one of the best tools to avoid burnout is to make sure you're paying yourself a reasonable amount so that you don't ever get to that point where it's like, I have nothing to show for it. Well, I have a comfortable life. My business hasn't grown quite the way I want to, but if I focus on the game, I can I can afford a comfortable life right now. And now that now I keep that motivation to stay in business and to keep growing and trying and learning from my mistakes. So to me, that's the other biggest pitfall that we see when it comes to managing cash.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Is it a matter of of sort of reverse? engineering the cash flow so you start with that payment and then you back into running the company on what is left over
1: yeah so there's two components reverse engineering is really great because when you do it that way you can easily see because as you reverse engineer that eventually takes you to my charging the right amount sure yeah right yeah um Because it's kind of like, if I want to make this much money, I reverse engineer, I get to the point where I say, that means I'd have to charge this much. Can I offer a service that allows me to charge that much? And that's a great place. That's a great question for a business owner to ask and to be in. Um, The other side, though, is it actually comes down to it's called Parkinson's law. Mm -hmm. And uh, whether we know it exists, we're falling prey to this This law, it says that um, as the demand for something expands, wait, sorry, the the demand for something will continue to expand to match the supply. So in this case, we're talking about money and Mm -hmm. most business owners have one bank account. Well, that bank account is a giant pile of supply. The demand to spend that money will continue to expand until there's no more money left to spend. Mm hmm. And so what we're saying is let's, knowing that to be true and that we're not going to be able to fight that tendency, let's take some of that money off the top, put it in an owner's pay bucket, set aside some money for tax. Um, We even suggest setting aside money so that as an owner, you're giving yourself a quarterly profit distribution, Mm -hmm. uh, like the reward for taking the risk of owning the business, right? Let's set aside that money first. So now we have this almost, we created a fake reality of the money that we are going to use to spend on the business. So let the demand to spend that money be there because we're good. We set aside this money over here. Um, It's amazing. Usually when I say this, business owners will be like, John, I'm already living like not even paycheck to paycheck. I don't have any money left over. And you're going to tell me, hey, take some money off first. I'm going to go negative. There's no way this system is going to work. And I understand that was my first feeling when I thought about it and i impl- started implementing this I'm like this isn't gonna work this is so stupid why am i trying this but it does work out because we uh, don't give ourselves enough credit for our creativity and i can say this as an accountant right we're generically not creative human beings <laughs>
0: but well that, um... <laughs> that could be somewhat true of lawyers too i don't think you're in an isolated right. box there right
1: uh, so You get to this point, though, where you know that I can make it work on lower amounts. I will figure it out. The two examples that I usually talk about, um, Mike McAllowitz, he wrote the original book called Profit First, and he references the way we use toothpaste. (laughs) So if you think about it, when you first open a tube you're very generous on that amount of toothpaste you're using on the brush. But as we get closer to the end, you know, we're squeezing and rolling and doing all the fancy things to get every last drop out of it. We start realizing how much do I actually need? What's a dime? What's a dime? size? So we get away with less toothpaste, but we still end up with the same clean mouth. Right. Um, So that's one thing that shows with limited resources, you'll still make it work. The other example is Apollo 13. There's a movie that's about 20 years old now at this point. Uh, and it's about the astronauts. They're supposed to land on the moon, but uh, they had an explosion in their shuttle and it destroyed one of their air scrubbers. So now instead of landing on the moon, it became a life saving mission to try to get them back to Earth. Uh, well, NASA usually takes like three years to come up with processes and things. And like they're just very slow. Well, obviously, if the astronauts are losing air. They don't have three years. So there's a scene in the movie where the guy comes in and he throws a bunch of components on a table, says, "Okay, guys, this is what the astronauts have to work with. We need to help them repair their air scrubber so they don't die and we can get them back, you know. And um, within three hours, they are able to come up with a solution that saves the lives of these astronauts. With limited resources, they were able to make it work. And we're not in a life and death situation when we run our business, but by taking money off the top to benefit ourselves so that we don't get burnt out and make business ownership worthwhile for us, we can run our business on the limited resources. You'll, you'll just, you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we've seen it time and time again. We've done hundreds of these with our clients. It, it happens. It's just, it's, a I don't, it's crazy how it works, but it does.
0: Uh, yeah, that's really cool. I, I, uh, yeah, I'm always amazed at how creative people can be and I I like to remind friends of mine, even when we're talking about political things, that, um, you know, if you can imagine it, if you can imagine a world where that exists, it can exist. So that's the way it works. So if you can imagine a world where you have to do business on X dollars instead of Y dollars, that world can exist. And there is a way. That's a great point. Um, Yeah. Lawyers, terrible at that. But let's just set that (laughs) aside so all of my lawyer Friends and listeners are not uh, completely disenfranchised by this episode. Okay. So if, if somebody is, so let's, let's assume somebody was like, John, you're brilliant. We're going to, we're going to do all this cash flow stuff that you're suggesting. And we're happy with it. Now they want to grow their business. What do you think are like the next critical steps for them to then scale their business beyond, yep. you know, now you put all the constraints mm-hmm. on them. Now they want to grow it.
1: Yep. And that happens, right. Uh, with our, the cash management system of profit first, the cash increases and the revenue increases like It just works. So usually when growth happens, that is going to require more team. Like that's the consequence of growth. I have more clients that need to be served. I need more people, more capacity. Mm -hmm. So one of the first steps that you can do is actually create another bank account But pretend it's another human being. Because the biggest question is, I want to grow. Can I afford to hire this person so that I can actually grow? Because again, as a business owner, if you're trying to grow, we want you to not be burnt out, right? (laughs) And so in order to do that, It's not a good idea to take on the work. And so now you're working at 200% capacity, burning yourself out, um, hire the team. So you create this bank account and you pretend it's another employee. So for three months, I went, okay, the the job I want to hire for is $5,000 a month. I'm going to put $5,000 into that bank account every month. So then in three months goes by i realized i was able to run my operating expenses off of the smaller amount and i now have fifteen thousand dollars already set aside i can afford to hire this person at five thousand dollars a month so i hire them and now i have a three-month window if that person doesn't end up creating the value i need to um we believe and hope that business owners are getting their people to cover their costs within 90 days so that they you're getting a return on investment if you don't i mean in every position, I, I would love to talk to someone who's like, based on my business and whatever, it's a longer window. I'd love to challenge that. Um, so 90 days is kind of our cutoff. So you have that buffer. If they end up not working out, then by 90 days and it's then they're not a good fit. But you had the buffer so that your your other cash flow wasn't affected. Right. Um, And so that's one of the best strategies that we've seen when it comes to growth because it typically is geared towards I need more capacity in my business. What does that look like? And can I afford it? This is the tried and true way to prove you can afford
0: it. Right. That's interesting because there's a difference, right? What you're describing are really two different things. One is growth, okay? And that, like you were setting up that hypothetical, that could be done by just working twice as hard. should be obviously clearly that's not probably what that client is suggesting to you in the moment is that they work twice as hard they're probably saying i'm already working twice as hard and i don't want to do that anymore <laughs> exactly. so they want to find a different way and the the only other way to do that is by is some scalability which means you have to bring in other people to do it and that's mm-hmm. of course there's risk and business owners don't like to take on risk if they don't know that it's going to play out for them.
1: Exactly, and this kind of minimizes that risk, right? Because you mm-hmm. could be in a scenario: I put the five thousand in, and I'm realizing, oh, I had to pull some of it out to cover operating expenses that I believe help me get clients or keep clients. Okay, well, how much did you pull out? And over those three months, oh, each month you pulled out two thousand. Okay, we have a limited resource. I can afford three thousand dollars of support, not five thousand like I wanted. Mm-hmm. What can I get for three thousand dollars a month? Will that help me grow? Because look. I believe wholeheartedly our team are human beings and they need to be treated like human beings. I actually am writing a book with the premise that you can grow and thrive your business if you keep your team members at 80% capacity. I don't want to burn them out, but you have to get a return on your investment in those people right. it doesn't mean you think of them as less human beings it's a simple outcome of need when you're a business owner you need to get a return right so whatever i can afford if it's the three thousand dollars a month that is an investment which means ideally i'm getting you know double that or four x that you know so i'm getting six thousand dollars of value back or twelve thousand dollars of value now with that extra amount i can hire the next person right um So whatever you can afford, that's why we love the system. It kind of kind of tells you if you can't afford the exact position you want, it is it's at least going to help you see what you could afford.
0: Right. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting exercise. And of course, if you have somebody go through that exercise, let's say they set aside the $5,000 a month for three months, they get to the end of the three months and they say, John, I really miss that $5,000 for those three months. Then, you know, they need to take that money back and, you know, deploy it somewhere, you know. Put it, either put it in their business or put it in their pocket where they really wanted it to be because they were so sad about it. There's a, there's a phenomenon for us and I don't think that we're necessarily unique. I, obviously there are limits to this, but as a general proposition, it tends to be that the, the amount of workflow matches the capacity in terms of bodies to do the work. So. When we have a higher headcount, the workflow is higher. When we have a lower headcount, the workflow is lower. I know that's pretty obvious, but what I mean is that the, the projects that we have to do, they sort of expand and contrast based on the number of people there are to do the projects. And I suspect for many businesses, particularly ones that are looking to grow, the reality is they're getting to a point where there are things that aren't getting done that if they had the extra bodies would actually get done. And just having the extra body would just create more work. It would create more things that can be productive.
1: Yeah. So because what you're describing is an element of Parkinson's law, right? The mm-hmm. demand for something expands to match the supply. If I have mm-hmm. the hours as is, a is supply of team members, then the demand on those hours will increase until they are all at capacity. Um, so you have that issue. But then a lot of times, too, it's because maybe as a business, we don't have quite a good system on marketing that guarantees that we can consistently rely on for new work and so we are at the mercy of referrals and like oh i got an influx of referrals and then usually what happens is subconsciously we then are don't even realize we're saying no to other work because like i got too many referrals at once i got to get this work done maybe i hire a intent person to get it done and that so then those That work is now complete. It's like, oh, now I need more work, right? Because the other ten, the other third thing about that element is, I have a new team member. I want to make sure I'm utilizing to them to their full investment that I'm doing in them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, all those to me are natural reactions of just our normal behaviors. Um, I would say to avoid that, first, let's make sure our marketing system, we feel solid that we're getting a consistent number of new clients out of it. Let's make sure we have good systems so that we're not letting team members be inefficient with the work we give them because they will take. I mean, the saying is, "When's the deadline for the term paper? Well, then that's how long it's going to take me to write the term paper." Right. <laughs> right. Whatever the deadline is, that's um. So let's make sure our systems are in place so that they're always working as efficiently as possible. And if that means they have downtime, then let's go back to the marketing side and see if we can get more revenue in. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, very interesting. These are all really great, very practical day-to-day business issues that I know I see and it sounds like you see every day with our clients. These these are just the day-to-day realities of being an entrepreneur, running a business. Yeah.
1: It's exciting, though. It's fun.
0: It's great. Yeah. I mean, to your point, it's it's sort of a rarefied group of humans who are able to do it and who really are courageous people uh, as a group, right? Because there's a lot of risk. To doing yep. it. If it, if it fails, it's your failure. So it's a, it takes a certain type of human to venture into these waters.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think five million small business owners seems like a large number, but from a percentage of how many bodies are on the planet, it's not a very big
0: number. No. True. Well, John, this has been a lot of fun. Um, but I know that you're a busy person. I want to be very respectful of your time too. If people are trying to find you, what is the best way for them to connect?
1: Um, our accounting firm website is the best one right now. It's mm-hmm. insightstax.com. It's i n c i t e t a x.com. Uh, we have a contact us page. We have blogs, but uh, yeah, it's probably the best way. Okay,
0: cool. Well, and we'll put a link there in the in the show notes and your contact information as well, so people can root around in the in the notes and find you there as well, John. I cannot thank you enough for doing this. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Hey, listeners. Thanks again for joining me on the podcast. It's fun to do it for you. If you're enjoying it, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to my blog at wealthandlaw.com and follow me on social media at Wealth and Law. I'll see you there.